Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Anatomy and Physiology On The Go podcast, a podcast intended to provide you with brief, important, big picture ideas and concepts in the realm of human anatomy and physiology. I am your host, Gilda Harris, and I'm a professor at St. Philip's College in San Antonio, Texas. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you are made aware of all the newest content that I create. Without further ado, let's get on to the next episode. Today's episode of the Anatomy and Physiology On The Go podcast will continue a multi-part series covering blood. The topic for this episode is white blood cells. White blood cells are also known as leukocytes. This is because the word leuco is Greek for white. White blood cells play a role in the body's defense against foreign entities. We will focus more on the immune system in the future. This episode will describe the various functions and types of white blood cells. All white blood cells are nucleated and lack hemoglobin. This separates them from red blood cells. White blood cells function in defending the body against pathogens, removing toxins and waste, and attacking abnormal or damaged cells. Most white blood cells are actually not found circulating in the bloodstream, but actually reside in the connective tissue or lymphatic organs. There are five classes of white blood cells, each with slightly different functions. The five classes are neutrophils, eosinophils, basophils, lymphocytes, and monocytes. These five classes are found in differing abundance in the body. The most common are the neutrophils and the least common are basophils. A mnemonic that is commonly used to remember the abundance of white blood cells from the most to the least common is never let monkeys eat bananas. Neutrophils, lymphocytes, monocytes, eosinophils, and basophils. Before we discuss each type in detail, let's talk about where they come from. All blood cells start from a common stem cell called a hemocytoblast. The hemocytoblast can become any of the white blood cells, a red blood cell, or a platelet. It all depends on a signal or a lack of signal that it receives. The hemocytoblast is found in the red bone marrow. Different cell signals, called interleukins, can tell which type of cell the hemocytoblast should become. A naive hemocytoblast receiving a signal called interleukin-3, which is also known as multicolony stimulating factor or multi-CSF, will become a myeloid stem cell. Myeloid stem cells can then become red blood cells, platelets, or any type of white blood cell except a lymphocyte. A naive hemocytoblast receiving a signal called interleukin-7 will become a lymphoid stem cell. Lymphoid stem cells can then become either a B or T lymphocytes. Lymphoid stem cells are the easy ones to learn as far as maturation. B lymphocytes will stay in the bone marrow to mature while T cells will travel to the thymus to mature. B stands for bone marrow, T stands for thymus. To review, a hemocytoblast is a blank canvas. Interleukin-3 will guide it to become a myeloid stem cell. Interleukin-7 will guide it to become a lymphoid stem cell. So we've seen lymphoid cells become either B or T cells. Depending on whether they stay in the bone marrow or mature in the thymus, 
But how do myeloid stem cells determine if they become red blood cells, platelets, neutrophils, monocytes, eosinophils, or basophils? More chemical messages is the answer. A myeloid stem cell that receives a message called erythropoietin will become a red blood cell. Remember that erythro means red. A myeloid stem cell that doesn't receive any message will become a megakaryocyte which will eventually break apart and make platelets. A myeloid stem cell receiving a message called GMCSF can become a granulocyte or a monocyte. Neutrophils, eosinophils, and basophils are all granulocytes. They are called granulocytes because they have small granules containing proteins inside of them. Once the myeloid stem cell gets hit by the GMCSF, it is then told by the subsequent messages called GCSF to become one of the three granulocytes or subsequent messages called MCSF to become a monocyte. I know it's a lot. In summary, interleukin-7 leads to lymphocytes, interleukin-3 leads to everything else. Interleukin-3 plus erythropoietin makes a red blood cell. Interleukin-3 plus nothing else ends up making platelets. Interleukin-3 plus GMCSF plus GCSF leads to one of the three granulocytes, either neutrophil, eosinophil, or basophil. Interleukin-3 plus GMCSF plus MCSF leads to monocytes. Now let's talk about each individually. Neutrophils are the most abundant white blood cells. They contain pale cytoplasmic granules with lysosome enzymes and bacterial killing compounds. Neutrophils are very active phagocytic cells that engulf bacteria and kill them. If you are suffering from a bacterial infection, then you may have elevated number of neutrophils in your blood as shown by lab testing. Eosinophils are another type of granulocytes. They engulf and attack large parasites by releasing toxic compounds such as nitric oxide and cytotoxic enzymes. Eosinophils are also involved in allergic responses. If you have either a parasitic infection or you're suffering from allergies, you may find that you have a high number of eosinophils in your blood. Basophils are the third type of granulocytes and the least common white blood cell. Basophils are also important in allergic responses. Basophils release histamine and heparin which dilate blood vessels and prevent clotting. Histamine dilates the blood vessels to get other immune cells to the area quicker to fight the allergen, but as a consequence also lead to a runny nose, watery eyes, and sneezing. An antihistamine is given to people who suffer from seasonal allergies. Monocytes are large spherical cells without granules. Monocytes become macrophages which engulf large pathogens through phagocytosis and also release chemicals to bring other immune cells to the area to help in fighting against the infection. Neutrophils, eosinophils, basophils, and monocytes are all part of the body's innate immune system. This is a non-specific immunity that attacks all pathogens and isn't specific to any particular pathogen. Your body has specific immunity. These cells look for specific pathogens in order to coordinate a quick response to fight that particular pathogen. The cells involved in specific immunity are the B and T lymphocytes. 
We will talk more about innate and specific immunity in future episodes, but in brief, there are three types of lymphocytes, B cells, T cells, and natural killer cells. B cells make antibodies to help protect you from future infections. T cells attack infected cells directly and impact other immune cells. Natural killer cells are nonspecific and attack cells infected with viruses. This concludes the fourth episode about blood. Our final blood episode will cover platelets and blood clotting. As always, please like, subscribe, comment, and share these episodes so that they can continue being produced.